Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee. You know what we're doing on this show. We are going through every single Metallica song. I think there's going to be about 160-odd episodes, 170. Maybe they'll bring out an album, an EP, by the time we finish in the depths of 2019. I'm not really sure. But uh, yeah, we're not even halfway, but I'm having an absolute ball. Uh, Structurally, it's myself. It's a guest normally. Occasionally I'm on my own if it's a Lulu track, but normally it's myself and a guest. And we go through and, you know, we critique, we celebrate, we denigrate, all that sort of stuff. Just before we get to today's guest, today's song, uh, which is the house that Jack built off my beloved load, uh, please follow the show at MetallicaPod on Twitter. One of the things that I really like to do before I go live is go on the Twitter and ask people what they thought of the song. Got loads of great feedback on today's song, so I'm going to go through that at the end. Uh, MetallicaPod at gmail.com as well. If you want to get in touch with me, you want to come on the show, it's the best way to do it. It's how the day's guest, which every guest has done it in the past. Uh, Patreon is there. You know, we aren't like the mighty Metal Like Your Podcast. Maybe in the future I'll have some sort of cover album or something. I think maybe Clint can help me do that. But uh, it's just if you want to support, you want to give back, you want to get access to the episodes, you know, weeks, months before they come out. Uh, iTunes is there as well. Uh, another way of thanking us is to give us a little review. Push up the algorithms. Again, we're always going to be in the great shadow of the Lunar Satans that are Clint and Ethan. But still, if you want to support, that's greatly appreciated. So, um, yeah, today we're going through House of Jack Bill and it's going to be with Jeremy. Jeremy, how's it going? Good, Tom. Thanks for having me on the show. Love the show. Of course. Thank you. Where are you calling from today, sir? Uh, I'm calling from Wichita, Kansas. Right. Okay. Not. I'm trying to... I'm a Brit. I'm, I'm somewhat of a cultured Brit. I'm trying... <laughs> culturally, I'm trying to think of Kansas. The only thing I can think of is the band Kansas, who are quite a good band. Yeah, the band Kansas is from here. Put basically put a pen right in the middle of the United States, and that's about where you'll find us. Right, right. I was going to say if Kansas weren't from Kansas, that would be a bit of a travesty, to be honest. Like I can't. Like there's a band just called America, isn't there? I can't believe the brazenness of that. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you take whatever is easily available to you. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think there's a band called England, but you know, maybe in the future, I'm not sure. But um, so Metallica for you, how, how did that begin? Uh, well, I'm. An old school fan way back in the 80s, um, kind of the long story here, I, about sixth grade, my dad decided I was acting up a little too much in school and getting some bad grades, so he moved me into a private Christian school, a little, right. tiny little school, and I went there from sixth grade through ninth grade. Um, tenth grade, he realized, okay, um, behavior's not getting any better, grades aren't getting better, so it's going to save me a lot of money and put you back in the public school, which was good with me. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, when I went back to the public school, ran into a lot of cliques uh, and things I wasn't used to coming from such a small school. And, you know, you had your jocks and you had your 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 nerds and you had your stoners. And, you know, oh, I had yeah. some trouble finding where I really belonged in those groups um, and where I ultimately found that I fit in best was with the metalheads. They were the guys who, you know, were open and kind of accepting of everyone and uh started hanging out with those guys and one day lunch table um somebody slid their walkman over to me and said hey listen to this song and it turned out to be damage inc and that was it man from there on uh for the next three or four years that's all i lived and breathed and slept was metallica um got my first guitar a few months later six months after that once i could actually play something we started a band um, we didn't think of ourselves as a Metallica cover band, but somehow we ended up playing just Metallica yeah. songs. So um, that was my introduction to the band and just kind of been a fan ever since. And, um, you know, my tastes have changed a little bit over the years, but that foundation of, of what I love and appreciate certainly comes from Metallica and always will. 
So when the Walkman was slid across, that was was that 86, 87, that era? That was 86, yeah. It was uh, shortly after Puppets had come out. That was my first introduction to the band. And, um, you know, pretty quickly grabbed the the back catalog, which I guess at that time was just lightning and kill yeah. them all. But um, sucked all that up. And, I mean, it just that, – that was everything to us. And what about when Justice was released then? Because that would have been the eye of the storm for you as a fan. Did you Were you outside the record store? Do you remember when it came out? Uh, absolutely. I remember the first, uh, really every, every album from justice up until St. Anger, I can yep. recall where I was sitting the moment I first heard them and justice. I mean, that was just, uh, a revelation. I mean, it was like nothing we'd ever heard before. Mm-hmm. And, um, it just imprints itself in your brain. It's one of those moments. And yeah, uh, just a, just a great time to have been a fan. And it's, you know, it's funny. It's one of those things I, I listen to your show and some other shows and, it's it's hard sometimes being an older fan to remember how many people really weren't uh, involved with Metallica yeah. during that time, and their first introduction was more of a '90s Metallica. Um, for me, Metallica will always be that '80s sound and, and style. And you know, I never never got off the ride, but that that's still when I think Metallica. That's still the time period that resonates with me. And today we're talking about uh, the house that Jack built, the third track from Load. So just to go back mentally then for you, where were you when Load came out? Uh, Load, I was actually in the military. Um, right. And where I was stationed at the time, a uh, little place in Montana, northwest uh, United States. And um, someone actually played the they were playing the album on the radio uh, in another city. So I called a friend of mine and asked them to play the album over the phone to me so I could hear that album. Um, but of course, then once it hit the stores, had had the album when it came out. And, um, you know, it's it's not, definitely not my favorite era of Metallica, but, um, you know, l- still love the album, know the album well. And uh, it's a part of their history. And it's, you know, something I've grown to learn to appreciate um, w- what's great about that area, uh, that era. And you know put put aside some of the feelings i had at the time and i can definitely appreciate it more in retrospect now yeah absolutely and i, and I should say that uh you know most of the time when people come to me to come on the show they're like i want to do this song and it's not necessarily that you've came to me and said we want to do house that jack built uh actually someone pulled out and i think we were just email at the time to arrange a song i think a motor breath's one we're actually going to do right yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah, all-time classic. Um, and House at Jackville, not really there for me. I've got to be honest with you. I've listened to this song a million times, and I still can't really remember it. Like, it's never really stuck with me. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of like the that whole era to me, which is that, you know, there, there's some of the magic is missing a little bit to me, but I think, you know, it's Metallica, and, and what they do is always interesting, and there's always things to find there. Um, I'm kind of like you in preparation for this show. This wasn't a song that if I'm going to listen to a metallic song, this is going to be, this isn't going to be one that pops straight to my mind, but, um, you know, listened to it quite a bit recently in preparation. Um, what I found is it's, I I think this is really a good headphone song. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that you get a lot of that with Metallica sometimes, but there's a lot of detail in this song. Uh, a lot of studio magic, I think, that yeah. was done that give it a little texture and more interest than, than you might hear right on the surface. Um, so a mixed bag. Uh, not great, but definitely some interesting things there. No, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think especially with uh, Hetfield's vocals, he's very confessional on the track. And you hear a lot of me in the background, him sort of screaming and gurning and, and yelling, etc. But I just think... 
from a momentum perspective, again, dear listeners, we know I don't like load, blah, 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 but I appreciate load. And I think Ain't My Bitch 2x4, the opening two tracks, they're pretty fun, disposable songs. They're enjoyable songs. And then, you know, we have House of Jack Built, which it just... It's a bit of a roadblock for me, I suppose. It's quite a sluggish song. I mean, it's almost seven minutes long. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, this song's a mixed bag. There, there's times in this song, one of the things I kind of like to do in my own head is take a Metallica song and think, okay, where, where does this song fit if you were to move it to another Metallica album? And right. um, that's frequently difficult to do. Yeah. Their albums are so distinct from each other. Um you know, this song's got a lot of groove in the verses and it, it feels like a song that maybe could have nestled in in the Black Album era pretty well. But um, the flip side of that is kind of that pre-course thing. I, I think it really kind of kills the momentum of the song. Um, mm. And it's repeated so many. The, the whole structure of the song is a little odd with, yeah. you know, we kind of start off with that pre-course and then you get a verse and then the pre-course and the verse and chorus and then chorus again and then the pre-course and the couple or a couple courses again, it, it just never really seems to quite take off the way that um, it, the verses are promising. The, the verses to me sound more like what I was expecting to hear from Metallica. Um, but yeah, that, that pre-course and the course just kind of drag the song down a little bit to me. Yeah. Yeah. There's no like clear narrative. Like you mentioned damaging before, which just builds and builds and builds. And then that's that really cathartic guitar solo at the end. And it's just in and out. And this one, I don't really know where I am. Like I get to like the fourth, fifth minute in the song and you've kind of heard everything the song has to offer, but it's still got another verse, another bridge, etc. It opens really boringly as well. I've never liked the opening, the just those sort of arpeggios there's nothing immediate at the throat there for me this sort of chick reminds me a little bit and i know the guys were big fans of these I don't know if you got this vibe sort of alice in chainsy this song with the sort of meandering nature very very much so and, mm. and there's actually uh on that main riff as it kind of builds into at the beginning of the song you kind of hear these uh these harmonized vocals in the background over yeah. at these ahs that are very alice in chain sounding yeah um yeah, I, I definitely think that's the tempo. And, that, you know, that's part of what kind of bothers me about this whole era is, you know, Metallica was kind of the bar everybody else was chasing. And then this era comes along and you feel like they're kind of pulling from their contemporaries a little bit more than they'd ever done before. And, yeah, I absolutely feel, you know, you go from kind of a Guns N' Roses feel early on the load mm -hmm. record into this song, which very much reminds me of Alice in Chains. Yeah, and you get that sort of that Eastern riff, that single note there, which is, I, I don't know, just so little of this song really is compelling to me. But they try some new ideas, nonetheless, and we get a lot of the talk box, Jeremy, in the solo. Yeah, and... Yeah, I'm not entirely clear on this, but I believe, and, and maybe you know the answer, but I think that's a James solo. I believe it is, yeah, yeah. I, I can't yeah. say for sure, but it seems to be the consensus that it is, and people on Twitter uh, at MetallicaBot have sort of concurred that, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's it's interesting because it's a James solo, and we don't get a ton of those, so right off the bat, that makes it a little more interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I think if this were a Kirk solo, it would be pretty quickly dismissed. Um <laughs> But, you know, the one thing I do find cool about the solo, I think, you know, one of the things I like in general about the load areas, I think James's lyrics really came to the forefront and James's performance in general um, you know, on the older stuff. You know, it's kind of the band. Mm -hmm. um, you've got the wicked guitars and you got the thrashing guitars and, and 
Kirk shredding and you got Lars just infusing the music with energy on drums, you know, no matter what criticisms you might put on him, the, the energy just flowed out of him in those yeah. early records. And, you know, the load reload era, I think really is James's era to me. I think it's where he sounds uh, fantastic. And I think he mm -hmm. really is the forward part of these songs. So, you know, I, the, the lyrics to this song, I kind of never thought too hard about until recently. And, um, you know, a lot of throwaway lines in there, but the more I dug into him, the more putting myself in his shoes and where he's coming from, uh, in this song, yeah, it seems to be a pretty dark and, and disturbing song in their catalog. Mm. Um, you, you kind of hear throughout that load album with a song like, um, uh, until it sleeps where, you know, he's kind of expressing his pain and looking for comfort from that pain or yeah. Ble bleeding me like, as well. Bleeding me, yeah, absolutely. It will probably become my favorite song from that era because it's yeah. it's just so uh, intimate to him and the struggle he's having. And then you get this song, House House That Jack Built, where you know you don't really hear a struggle from James. You don't hear him fighting for anything. You just kind of hear him saying, you know, I'm broken and, and I'm just lost. And, um, you know, when in the lyrics you get to the line where he says um, – uh, when he says, well, on my way, but uh, on my way to where I've been, if you know, if you're someone who's struggled with addiction or you, you've had close people close to you have struggled with addiction, I think a line like that it says more than a whole song like Master of Puppets, which theoretically is about addiction. But there's just something personal about this that, you know, I, I, I listened to those lyrics and I just thought, I mean, I almost felt sorry for him. It, was, <laughs> it, it just felt so um it felt like him sitting on the outside looking at at himself and and saying that this temple it tilts which is one of the great parts of the song to me is yeah that line just kind of the, the whole song always feels a little off kilter to me mm -hmm. i think it's some of those effects in the background and you know the top yep. box and the wall and the verse everything just kind of sits a little tilted in that song I think that's a great representation of that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Yeah, and I do like that my body temple, the temple it tilts. And I like the whole sequence, the higher you are, the farther you fall, the progressions, quite different, quite alternative for the band. And I did always mark the song as a sort of, you know, uh, riff on addiction, as it were. But it was just um reading some feedback, like people interpret it as the house that Jack built, as in Jack Daniels. I don't know if you thought that yourself. Yeah, well, you know, I saw that same thing, and at first I thought, well, that sounds a little too on the nose, sure. but going through the lyrics, uh, it certainly fits. I mean, I, I think, you know, when he talks about open eyes, just to have them closed again, it, 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 it gives me this impression of, you know, this routine of, I'm drunk, I sober up, I'm drunk again, I'm drunk, I sober up, I'm drunk again, I you know, uh, well on my way, but I'm on my way to where I've been. You, you just you feel kind of that cycle of addiction. And again, you don't hear him really fighting that. You just hear him kind of surrendered to it. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of going back to that talk box solo, I think that's kind of one of the cool things about that. It always reminds me of, you know, the old peanuts or Charlie Brown cartoons when the adults would talk and it would just be womp, 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 yeah. womp is all you would hear from them. Um, and then you hear this solo and it, it kind of, it leaves me with that feeling of here's James trying to get out of this dark place he's in and it's just not coming through. And right at the end of that solo, just the last couple seconds of that, um, the tone of his guitar, you know, it just sounds like he's kind of uh, being choked out or, or mm -hmm. um, 
gagged. And it's just, it, it, it's kind of cool when you can put it in that context. I like, you know, I like when a song, there's, there can be things in there that maybe weren't intentional from the artist, but uh, when you start to interpret them through a different lens, you, you pick up on them and, and it just works whether it was intentional or not. So I, that's, I think when it comes to that solo, that's probably the coolest part to me. Yeah, I mean, as happens often on an Alpha Metallica, I'm gaining a new respect for the song as we discuss it. Because, yeah, you're right. Thematically, it's quite cohesive. And all this sort of dislocation and dissonance, ironically, ties together quite nicely. I still feel the song's a little repetitive. I still feel it kind of robs a bit of momentum as we go through the track listing. But there are some ideas that I like in here. And, you know, I, I, I don't think it's necessarily an awful song. I mean, I like the solo. It might be Kirk. I don't even really want to call it a solo, but it's kind of a lead break before the talk box. And there's a really heavy guitar underneath it. It's just like, do 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 dung. It's just, it reminds me a little bit of, uh, it's got a sort of bad seed sort of um, rhythm to it. And it sounds really cool and really nasty and really gothic and southern and i think that's a really nice moment i don't believe although annoyingly i don't know if you've noticed jeremy but um, metallica have just changed their website they've um literally rebuilt it in the last couple of days uh yeah. which because what i use the website every episode because it's incredible uh, as any metallica podcast will attest because you can go on there you get all the lyrics but you can see every time they play the song where it turns up and they've still got all those stuff there but it's not quite as neatly packaged as it was but it didn't seem like there was any stats for house that jack built and probably not surprising that this is one of the low tracks they're yet to debut live yeah, I, I saw that and I was really surprised by that. I, I'm, I'm not sure why I thought at first, well, you know, there's so much studio magic going on in that song. Maybe it's just something they're not comfortable pulling off live, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think considering some of the other things they've played from that era, that it, it, it does surprise me that they've never broke this out. It seems to be a pretty popular song with people who kind of dug that era or got into Metallica during that era, so... Yeah, kind of a surprise that one's never been broken out. No, yeah, maybe it's a bit like Carpe Diem Baby, where it's just because structurally it's a bit odd and there's not an obvious sort of path for it to lead. I don't know, maybe there's a multitude of reasons they haven't debuted. You know, there's lots of Metallica songs that haven't got debuted for whatever reason. And yeah, I do just want to point back as well to what you were saying before about the canvas of noises behind James. And if you listen, there's lots of cool stuff going on, actually, that is quite interesting. It's almost like a visual representation of the later hardwired studio covers, like these sort of four voices in one that are all competing... um, for some sort of uh, some sort of dominance, but um, yeah, I mean, any any more thoughts on this song, "The House of Jack Built"? Uh, I just think you know, again, going back to the lyrics, there's a couple cool parts in there where um, one of the things when he says "Let the show begin" always brings back uh, Pink Floyd's "The Wall" to me. I always right. think that way um, when he talks about it swallows me. Um, if this song is indeed about alcoholism, it's kind of a, an interesting inversion there. Yeah. That, you know, he's taking in the alcohol, but he's talking about how it's swallowing him. Yeah, nice. uh, same with the line, uh, shake as I take it in. You know, you kind of get that visual of, of someone needing that drink. And, uh, you know, if you've seen those people with drinking problems, you see them shake sometimes. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's also the flip side of that, which is, you know, is this a third person thing? I'm kind of observing myself in it as I take in what I've become. It's kind yeah, of and, and you disturbing sort of, my soul a little bit. You know, shaken and stirred, um, you sort of shake alcoholic drinks sometimes to repair them, so. Yeah, absolutely. And and the one other thing I find interesting in there is the line uh, in the second verse where he says, don't want control as it takes me down, um, really makes me kind of fast forward to the St. Anger era. And, and, you know, that control was such a thing he addressed in his recovery. And he talks about uh, his need for control and how that was forcing 
kind of him into these these um, bad habits or these patterns of behavior. Uh, and I just thought it was interesting to hear him address that in this song and say, you know, as I'm kind of taking this in and getting to this place, I lose that need for control. I don't want that control. And I thought that was kind of a, a cool little almost Easter egg to, you know, kind of a um, almost a foreshadowing of where he was headed. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, you're talking about the sort of musical references there, like Pink Floyd. When I hear a voice box solo, I can't help but think of Richie Sambora of Bon Jovi. It just it oh, just sure. con- conjures those images. I mean, I know you've got Peter Frampton. I listened to an episode of uh, Mark Maron with Eagles Joe Walsh, and he was saying that he was the first guy to ever do a voice box solo. I've not actually heard it myself. But um, as I said before, uh, I opened it up um, you know, to the Twitter, at Metallica Pod, just see what people thought of the song, and as ever, got some great responses. Um, so let's just get to them now. So, um, yeah, the... Uh, let's say I remember. Sorry, I'm just let me just edit out. Uh, so, um, so yeah, as uh, master of puns, saying underappreciated song. James Talkbox solo is pretty interesting. Uh, Aiden, Aiden, we did the cunning stunts episode, saying good shit. Love the Talkbox. A lot of people like the Talkbox, as well as the grooving swagger it has in the verses with the haunting vocals. Luke, Luke Sinegi saying don't really like that song that much. One of the very few low tracks that I don't really care for. Uh, Batu saying has great lyrics. It's a reference to Jack Daniels and James Addiction, as far as I know. MTI saying it's a really weird sounding song i think pre- i appreciate it more than actually like it yeah i agree if that makes sense i kind of wish metallica yeah. have done more stuff in that vein during this era uh michael saying it's an underrated gem the build up to the talk box solo and the solo itself are fantastic so i mean most people very positive about this song jeremy yeah uh, that's what i've seen as well mm. and again i you know i don't know that it's a bad song and it, it's kind of the first time you really get the old school metallica feel when you put that album on but um, I, I, I think I'm in agreement with you. I just think there's, you know, we know those albums have some filler on them, but I feel like this song has some filler inside of it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's very true. I mean, the house has creaky foundations, but a few of the rooms I think are worth staying in for a little while. There you go. Good way uh, of saying it. <laughs> um, and, uh, we'll wrap up as we always do, uh, with a few questions. Um, have you seen the band live? Uh, I saw the band live in uh, 88 on the Monsters of Rock tour. I saw oh, them in wow. 89 on the uh, Justice tour. And kind of a funny story, um, my wife and I, we have six kids, and they're all grown. And uh, last Christmas time, doing the traditional, what everybody does, I'm sure, at Christmas, which is taking shots of tequila, <laughs> uh, I got a little bold, and I promised them all, hey, if Metallica comes to Wichita, I'm going to take all you guys to the concert, anybody who wants to go. <laughs> Um, and of course about two weeks later they announced that they were coming. So, uh, I'm taking a group of 11 next year to see the band. So uh, it's been a long, long time since I've seen them, but I'm really looking forward to it. And and it's just kind of cool because, you know, my kids, none of them are metalheads. Um, but when this subject came up, every one of them was like, yeah, I want to go. It was, it's just great to see how the band reaches people across different generations and that they're still relevant even today. It's funny you mention uh, Monsters of Rock because one of my favorite podcasts at the moment is called D&D Unchained. It's two guys who do a monthly Van Halen podcast. Brilliant podcast. Urge everyone to listen. They have some great, great guests, including like Van Halen's first tour manager and producers. And yeah, it's so good. And they always speak about the 88 Monsters of Rock tour. And um, so let's just get this straight. So Kingdom Come opened, who from what I gather, like a Led Zeppelin ripoff. That's all I really know about them. Yep, that's exactly what's sure. <laughs> and then Metallica, then Doc, and then Scorpions, then Van Halen. That is an incredible day lineup. Uh, 
it was and and you know now that i'm older and have a little more uh appreciation for that we we were so there for metallica yeah. and i remember they it, of course it was before justice came out and they they actually played uh part of harvester sorrow which none of us had ever heard before cool. and we were just all so pumped up and i think uh we may have hung around for docking and then i think we hit the road and you know i kind of regret that looking back but at the time you know we metallica was all that mattered everybody else was yeah uh you know second rate to us and anyhow but yeah it was it was a cool show good to be a part of it yeah yeah sure. yeah um I, Dokken were on uh don Dokken was on eddie trunk recently and he was boasting that they metallica opened for them on this tour that's sort of their, <laughs> their bigger claim <laughs> but uh, yeah where, where did you where did you see him uh, the monster rock uh that would have been in akron ohio akron ohio. from where the black keys are from uh i didn't even know that <laughs> yeah yeah I just, okay well they, there you they go sell a t-shirt with that on so that's the only reason i know that but uh yeah okay so um your your favorite song of the band altogether uh favorite song is battery um mm. i just you know it's it's tight it's compact and it's just perfect from that opening note how how you make a you know an acoustic hammer on sound so evil and so foreboding and set the tone for the rest of the album i, I just think it's a perfect song what about your favorite album definitely puppets yeah i you know a lot of albums a lot of great albums you look at them you say what a great assembly of songs and they're like building blocks that create something that is just fantastic um puppets to me feels like it was a solid piece of granite they carved something out around it um <laughs> every song's distinct but yet every song is just to me that it's just perfect there's not a misstep for yeah. one second on that entire album so yeah. yeah that's that's definitely my album yeah me too me too uh and your favorite member of the band uh, gotta be James. Um, just, you know, cool guy, just cool in general, great musician, great guitar player. And, you know, for someone a little bit closer to my age, who's kind of grown up in the same generation he did, uh, being able to kind of progress through life with him and hear back through his, his music and his lyrics, things that kind of reflect where you are in your life. You just feel like you've been on the ride with him. And yeah, yeah I, lo I love all the guys, but James is, a, is he, he's definitely the, the main guy for me. Any final question, if you do a podcast like this uh, about a band going for all the discography, what, what's a band you could do it on? Oh, you know, I thought about this and I, you know, I thought about one maybe on uh, Porcupine Tree slash Steve Wilson. Stephen Wilson, I think he's a criminally underrated musician, at least here in the States. Yeah. Um, I thought about maybe an Opeth podcast, which mm. uh, would be really fun, but I don't think I could do it in your style just because every song by them is the equivalent of about 10 different songs. Right. Um, but I think what I would settle on is actually, uh, Queens, right. But it, the original lineup of the band up until maybe 96 or so, um, I know it's a band that a lot of people feel hasn't aged real well and kind of associate with the hair metal era, but, um, that's absolutely not what they were at the time. And I, I actually heard Clint Ethan say the other day, someone was, was banging on them to get into Queens, right. And no, that wasn't me, but I do concur completely. I think, uh, <laughs> Uh, it, another great headphone, headphone band, if you're kind of a Pink Floyd fan or something like that, you slap on some headphones and you, you give them enough time and let them sink in a little bit. And I think you find that uh, they were just a great band from that era. And um, yeah, pro probably my second favorite band from that era. Awesome. Yeah. Queensryche and actually Stephen Wilson as well. Two people that I've, one of my friends has urged me to listen to for ages. So yeah, I'll definitely um, check them out. And I guess finally, is there anything you'd like to promote or anything like that? 
Uh, not at all. Just I appreciate you having me on. Love the show. Keep up the good work. All right. No, thank you so much, man. I guess finally, um, let us know in the comments, uh, you know, what you think of House of Jack Bill, what you think of any of the songs we've covered. Get in touch with me, MetallicaBot at gmail.com if you enjoy the show and you want to give back to the show. The Patreon is there and the iTunes is there. I'll put the links down below. Yeah, we'll be back next week for I Disappear which I'm really looking forward to. That's a really fun song. And I think we're going to have a really good chat about that. But uh, yeah, for now, Jeremy, thank you again. Thanks, Tom.